I don't remember if I have a bonus because literally, okay, I wrote this two days ago and I'm like, I don't know what's on here. It's, it's going to be a mystery <laughs> to me. It's going to be a surprise <laughs> for me. Okay. One more sip. One more sip. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. Today, we're talking about our favorite books of the year so far. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest read, and have book talk about our favorite books of the year so far. We'll be sharing our favorite books that we've read in the first half of 2021 that may or may not have been published this year. We'll wrap things up with our shelf edition, a book that we've added to our own TBR list. We're a new podcast, so if you like what you hear, we'd love for you to follow us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It helps us find our perfect audience. Hey, Tina. Hi, how's it going? It's going great. I'm so excited to talk about our favorite books of the year so far, especially because we haven't shared these ahead of time. And Mm -hmm. I was feeling very book nerdy getting Uh ready for today. Like, You're a researcher. I want to hear what, yes. But I also am like, oh, I wonder what Tina picked. I can't, I wonder what, if we have anything the same. I don't know. And it truly is. We have not shared. So it's going to be a surprise for us to see what books truly we have liked the most so far this year. This is kind of different for us because we usually, one of us tells the other just so we're not bringing the same things, but we wanted to try out surprising each other, right? Yeah, and then we can get our genuine reaction. So I think it will be fun. And I wanted to say a big thank you to those of you that have supported the podcast so far through buy us a coffee or buy us a book. Some of you have been so generous and donated and it really, really makes our day. But we wanted to say a quick thank you to those that have supported us. Yes. Thank you so much. It is greatly appreciated. So before we get into book talk, tell me what have you been loving lately? What I have been loving lately is something I spend $3 a month on. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it is by far some of the best money spent. I am talking about a podcast episode from the podcast called Friends of the Show. Yes. The podcast main podcast is Knox and Jamie, Knox mm-hmm. McCoy and Jamie Golden. They, for $3 a month, will recap The Bachelorette and The Bachelor through their Patreon. Mm-hmm. So I have been a member... I'm probably three years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Of their um, friend of the show community. And can I tell you, and you know, because we both watch the show. Yes. It is a, a hot mess. It is. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've the had best so much way, fun. Yeah. Mark. I yeah. know it's, there's so much wrong with it, but then it's like a car crash. You just keep watching. Mm-hmm. Right. I actually really like this season. I'm enjoying I do too. Katie. So far. It's like, it feels more mature and is not, it's like less antics, which I think they needed to do. Oh, they need. And I like the host. So I like Tasha and I like Caitlin as the host. Like I'm not. Oh, me too. Oh, Tasha can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, she can do no wrong. I'm so glad she's there. 
And the guys are nice. I don't know yeah. if they're going to end up tanking. Well, you know, they're going to, I was going to say, you know, I they're mean, about to, we're going to find some skeletons in those closets, <laughs> but so far so good. But yeah, anyway, so, I'm sorry. So a little behind about- the scenes that, I mean, we, you and I message each other. It's, it's very fun to. Mm-hmm. It's so fun to like live DM each other, like yes. li- live text throughout the show. Yes. And so what I love about the $3 that I pay for, for their bachelorette and bachelor recaps, they are hysterical. And when I say it is pure entertainment, I could not spend $3 on anything better. Nice. <laughs> they usually drop their episode around, I don't know, two o'clock Eastern time, somewhere around there. And I'm just checking my phone. I, like will, hold, I will hold off my <laughs> afternoon workout until they drop their episode. So that you can because, listen while you work So out? I can listen while I walk. Usually I'm walking or uh-huh. taking a bike ride. Those are kind of my main workouts. I will wait. This week, I took about an hour walk while they, and can, I'm walking around the park laughing out loud, like weird, (laughs) weird woman. People are looking at you like, oh, there she is again. They're so witty and they're so funny and they make fun of everyone. Like it doesn't matter. They will, if you're on the show, they will make fun of you at some point. All right. Maybe, um, Maybe I should it, check it out. You would love it. You would love it. Yeah. And just kind of the little details. I mean, they watch the show and take notes. Mm-hmm. So they catch things that I didn't. And it's just enjoyable. I love every minute of it. And that was Friend of the Show by Knox McCoy and Jamie Golden um, through their podcast Patreon. I do like their podcast. They are so charming. And they also have a, a book recommendation now and again. They do. So. They green light or red light books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really enjoy yeah. them too. Okay. How about you? Ooh. I have been loving my new Apple Watch band. It's from a company called Braxley Bands. And I got the black and white leopard print because I like cool. it's like a neutral, but we still have a pattern. My husband, Jonathan, actually found this this company and their pitch is that they make the world's most comfortable Apple Watch band. And I was like, all right, well, like I got to, let me see. Let's see how this is. So I have like sensitive skin. And when I wear the rubber ones, especially if moisture gets underneath, it can irritate my skin. And I have not had any of that with this band yet. The best part about it is that there's no clasp. So it's fabric, but it kind of slips on and off like a bracelet would. And it's very secure. They use this patented fabric, I guess, and there's no clasp. And like I said, nothing is irritating. And for every band that they sell, they donate the money um, equivalent of one tree to Trees for the Future, which is an organization that trains male and female farmers in sub-Saharan Africa to sustainably revitalize their land. So I thought, okay, you've, you know, I enjoyed this product and I feel like I'm doing something good as well. Now it's $32 for a band. So it is not inexpensive, but I think it'll last me a while and they have a lot of patterns. There's some neutrals too. So it could be professional. I feel comfortable wearing it when I'm working out. So I'm a fan. Um, And I wanted to share it with everyone because I think it's a pretty good find. This is awesome. Yeah. Do you have an Apple watch? Oh, yes. You got me with that because mine is Velcro. Mm. I like the rubber one. It's kind of comfortable, but I adjust mine all the time, especially in the summer Mm -hmm. when I'm working out. And the Velcro is easy, but it's not the most stylish. Gotcha. So I love what you said about yours. So, and I got the medium size. So you got to like, they have obviously different sizes. John got the large, but anywho, 
I really enjoy it. It's my new Apple Watch band from Braxley Bands. That is a great share. I'm going to be ordering one of those. I know. I feel like all we do is influence each other to buy. We do influence each other. (laughs) But I, I needed that. So that was really good. Thanks. Excellent. What's your latest read? My latest read, I just finished 40 minutes before we jumped on. Oh, okay. Fresh in your brain. <laughs> it is very fresh. And oh man, it was fun. It is Bath House by PJ Vernon. I knew you were reading that one and I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, I did the audio mm-hmm. and I would highly recommend that. Although... Uh, one of the narrators was much better than the other. So there is two narrators. Uh Uh, Yeah. I mean, there were parts where I was, I was like, uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it was still very entertaining. So this was just published on June 15th. Okay. This will get you. It is a queer thriller that was pitched as Gone Girl with Gaze and Grinder. Come on. (laughs) Come on. I mean, (laughs) that's good. That's good. And the author talked about that too. I partially listened to his interview on the Moby Fick podcast. Okay. But then I turned it off because I was just, I wanted to just listen to the book right. first. So I'm going to go, go back. back. Mm-hmm. But the author talked about how excited he was that that is how the book was pitched. And it really was very much like that. And I'm going to say, let me tell you what it was about. And then I'll tell you my thoughts. So Oliver Park is a recovering addict from Indiana. He finally has the life he had been looking for. He is sober. He has a loving, wealthy partner in Nathan, who is a prominent DC trauma surgeon. And Nathan is 10 years older. They come from very different backgrounds. Uh, Nathan grew up wealthy and Oliver grew up poor and think shuttling in and out of foster care. With everything that he has, Oliver has no business visiting House, which is a gay bathhouse, but he does. And once he enters a private room with handsome man, things go very, very wrong. And he is basically almost killed. Oh, and he bar- yeah, he barely escapes. But after that, he gets home and realizes he's got bruises all over his neck. and then he starts lying. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it just, it gets crazy. So it is described as a classic runaway train narrative. Perfect. And I would completely agree with that. Oh, I'm so glad. Okay. I and would I, completely agree with that. I feel like you are, a, and you and I both read a lot of thrillers, so we're kind of picky. And, and very it picky. sounds like this one hit, which I, I'm, and, I'm happy. Yes. And I really, I'm glad that this is out there for pride month Mm -hmm. and this is refreshing. I mean, we need more of these and I'm going to, and when I say this and I mean it in the best possible way, this was soap opera material, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean? But this was, and I say that as someone who used to in the, back in the old days, schedule my college classes (laughs) around my soaps. I love uh, so I that makes loved me, soap operas. That makes me love you. Okay. Like I love that about you. <laughs> but also like sidebar, you don't watch Real Housewives yet. You love soap I, operas. Come on. I did love soap operas. Okay. So I don't, yeah, I guess it's a modern day sense, soap. Does it? No, does I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Okay. I don't know. Now that you've said that and I've just, 
and I am now thinking about soap operas. I don't know why I haven't but, watched. But it. I love right. like I'm picturing you scheduling your classes around what around was your... as the world turns. As the world light. turns. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Well, yes, I say that as a compliment because there are some books out there, some thrillers that are so soap opera ish that I end up rolling my eyes. Mm-hmm. But this one, I was like, oh, on the edge of your seat. Oh, oh this is good. Oh, okay. this is really good. And okay. Yeah, he got me. The last quarter of this was just twist after twist after twist. And it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. Highly, highly recommend it. And that was Bathhouse by PJ Vernon. Okay. Well, as you were talking, I added it to my library holds list because I have no self-control, but (laughs) thank you for sharing. Yes. Good. How about you? Speaking of books for Pride Month, my latest read was The Gunkle by Stephen Rowley. Oh, yeah. So talk about a perfect summer book. Okay. So this is the story of a family who has been fractured when their wife, friend, mother, dies from cancer. Patrick O'Hara is the gunkle in the story and a gunkle is a gay uncle. And he got pretty famous when he was on a network television show, but he has since gone off the grid and lives in Palm Springs. He's mourning the loss of his partner. And so basically is living this kind of lonely life and everything gets upended when his niece and nephew come to live with him for the summer. Since he has no children of his own, it's a pretty steep learning curve. This was the perfect blend of sincerity and humor. This was the perfect blend of sincerity and humor. Patrick is an absolute character and he genuinely made me laugh, which I don't always laugh when I'm reading. Like very seldom do I actually laugh out loud. And he did get me on this. He's, he's larger than life. Patrick is somebody that I truly want to have a drink with. Like, it feels like he is a real person. That's always the best. Like, I want to like look him up and like go visit him in Palm Springs. This is, this is a me problem. Sometimes I don't like kid characters in a story. Like, I don't know why I'm like, oh, you know, it it has to be Mm -hmm. a special kind of kid character in order for me to like care about them. But I really liked Maisie and Grant. I thought they were adorable and just precocious enough, and they felt still realistic. I've also added Stephen Rowley to my auto-read author list. That's how much I liked this story. Highly recommended for me. And this was The Gunkle by Stephen Rowley. That's awesome. Um, I have that on my TBR, but I have a copy of it, but I'm going to try out the audio sample and see if I want to do that on on audio. Yes. And I would like to know how the narration is, because I feel like this could be a really good one. Yeah. Well, I will report back. And are you going to, have you read Lily and the Octopus? I have not. I'm actually scared of it. I'm scared of it because there's a dog in the book and I'm worried something happens to the dog. Well, I think that's pretty much in the synopsis. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I've actually never read the synopsis. I can picture the cover. (laughs) All right. We'll cut that out if 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 I'm wrong. I'll research that. I bet you're right. Knowing your memory. Okay. All right. I'm going to, I'll check it out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's get into book talk. For book talk today, we are going to share our favorite books that we've read so far in 2021. This is so fun. This is something I do every year is take a break and look back at the books that I've finished. And it's nice to see where things stand because I think it allows us to shift gears if we need to. 
volume wise, I've been reading more than I expected to. I am at 55 books so far this year, which is more than I thought that I would be. And I actually had a very hard time whittling my list down to five. I picked the stories that have stuck with me the most and fair warning, there might be some titles that we've talked about already on the podcast, but I wanted to keep it to my absolute favorites, the books that really, really stick with me through the year. Though it is worth mentioning, we didn't limit ourselves to books published in 2021. Uh, Mine were all published in 2021. Um, Okay. Mine were not. I believe I have one. I never stop and reevaluate or even look at my (laughs) books in July or whatever, but I'm glad that I did because now I can shift gears and I will tell you why. So I have read 42 as of now Mm -hmm. and going through my list and seeing all of the three star books. And it was like, oh, well, now I know why my reading feels mediocre. Because mm-hmm. it is. Because <laughs> I had 15 wow. out of 42 books that were three stars. That's a lot. What percentage is that? And four, wait, I'm not done. <laughs> four that were two stars. Wow. And that doesn't even include my DNF. So that's 45% of my reading oh. is three star or below. That's not good. No, that is <laughs> right? not good. That's not good wow. for feeling like, for feeling happy and like excited about how many wonderful books you've read. That is not how I've been feeling. Now there were, there are definite standouts and that's why it felt a little easier for me to go through and pick out my favorites. Mm, I got you. Okay. So what you do you, what do you think you'll do differently? Well, that's what I'm debating about. And as book nerds, maybe you can share with me and I would welcome any messages from listeners. Do I stop reading books that are, I usually know by the halfway point or more, like I am not overly enjoying this, mm-hmm. but I'm going to finish it because Maybe it was an ARC, an advanced copy from the publisher, and I feel like I have to in order to write some sort of review. Do I just go ahead and ditch those? And do I only read books that I am loving? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do, I know you, the, do you only the, read books? Do you only continue reading books that you're loving? Well, I just did the math really quick to figure out of the 55 books, how many I rated three or two stars. And it's only 16%. <gasps> That's so low. It's so low. And I think that I am a more gentle rater. This was quick back of the napkin math. I'm not sure if I would really rate these three or two stars or if there's some that I missed, but yeah, it's really low. And I think as I've started to look more and more at my reading, I've gotten really good at picking books that I think I'll like. Mm -hmm. And I also, I DNF some, but I think I could DNF more. Like, I I don't think that I do it. Yeah. I don't think I do it that often. I think I could too. And I do get very tempted by blurbs and by things that sound good. And then it doesn't end up panning out. And then sometimes if I get too far, I just think, well, I'm already at... (laughs) 40%. And because I am type A, if I don't finish it, I can't put it in my Goodreads challenge. Uh (laughs) Which nobody is monitoring my Goodreads challenge, but me. (laughs) You're monitoring mine. (laughs) Yeah. Taking a peek. No, I I understand. I understand what you're saying though. You want credit. You want credit for a book that you've gotten 40%. Only because I'm the only one that cares. Mm -hmm. Okay. So maybe I am also a stingy star <laughs> I think is you that might what, like you think yeah. you're not that's you're you I think, think I'm you're generous. generous. I do think I'm I might generous. Be well, let me say this. I don't care about star ratings. What I mean by that is 
I am more interested in reviews. The only reason I give my books star ratings is because Goodreads kind of makes you. I, in my brain, go highly recommend, recommend, pass the time fine, didn't like DNF. Okay. Do you write that in your reviews? I don't remember. I know you don't do stars on Goodreads or Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. No, I don't. And I'll do an occasional, like if I'm like on the brink, I'm like, okay, it's about a 3.5. 3.5 or higher is a book that I enjoyed, I think. Mm -hmm. In my reviews on Instagram, I don't use those terms. I will say highly recommended, but in my blog, I'll do a, every other Monday I do a recap. Mm -hmm. um, And sometimes I'll include it there. Okay. And I know sometimes I've seen you talk about 3.25. 3.25. I've wondered about mm-hmm. that. And I, and I yeah. know Sarah from Sarah's bookshelves does that too. I, how do you determine that? I have never been able to get, I, I need to stick with two, three or four or five. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, interesting. I, I, every once in a while, I will do a 4.5 uh-huh. or 3.5. The, just... the 0.25, uh-huh. how do you determine that? Ranking. So the way that my brain works, it helps me to, and I don't know that this is fair now that I'm saying this, but I think, okay, so let me think of an example book that is a 3.5 star for me was The Midnight Library by Matt Haig, which I know people loved, raved about it. Mm-hmm. I liked it well enough, but it, for me, for whatever reason, I just didn't connect with it. I, I use like 3.5 as my, I liked it, but then if I didn't like it, but didn't absolutely hate it, I'll give it 3.25. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I Instead guess. of just re- but, but not, also it's it 3.25 means it's better than a three-star book. That's where you lost me. <laughs> <laughs> I would, you've really lost me. I would just give it three. I just don't get the, I don't, do, I don't get how the nuance between 0.25. Because versus... it allows me to differentiate between, <laughs> and, and maybe the three stars was what's getting us right. Okay. How about this? 4.5 book means it was almost Five star perfect sticks forever, but not quite. Right. But I want to differentiate between a a four star book and a 4.5. Like I need that middle ground. Oh, interesting. I don't know why. I I just do. I I do. do. And I'm really interested about that because before you and I even, you know, started talking as friends, I had always followed your reviews and also Sarah. And you both do that point two five, mm-hmm. and I'm always wondering, like, why? I don't. What, what does <laughs> that mean? Point? What does that mean? <laughs> so now I know, but I just don't think books to me are usually clearly mm-hmm. a four star. Like I really, really, really liked it. I would highly recommend it. Or a five star. This was amazing. I'll never forget it. But if it was almost amazing, it's a 4.5. Like, that's it. <laughs> okay. I have nothing else. That's it. Those are your rankings. <laughs> does that so, make any sense? I it don't does. know. No, it does. I and would I, love to hear how other people. I would love to hear that too. This. Because I'm just thinking, I'm like, what do you mean? Of course we have to have 0.25. But now that you're saying that, I need nuance. I don't think I could just be, this is four star, this is five star. I don't think I would be able to differentiate. And also, well, I know that's the 0. 0.5. Okay. That's the 0. 0.5. That's the, it's 0. the 0. 0.25. It's you... the 0. 0.25. Well, how do you feel about 0. 0.75? That, okay. That, so you I'm don't like same, that either. The same thing. I'm, I'm not understanding. Oh. Juries. Tell I me. mean, the verdict is in folks. No more 0. 0.25. <laughs> no more quarter <laughs> stars. <laughs> I just want to no, I want to understand it because I, I just want to understand because I think it's really, maybe it would give me more flexibility mm-hmm. in my ratings. If I could mm-hmm. um, wrap my brain around what, what is 4.75? I don't know. <laughs> now, really? wait, I have another on your okay. Goodreads. Mm-hmm. Do you add that in on your review at the top? Like what? 
like you may give it a five star, but then when you go to review it, do you put, this is actually a (laughs) 4.75? No, I, I don't care. I don't think about it that much. I, you oh, you don't, you so don't I'm, like, I'm big picture. Okay. I care much more about the review itself than stars. I really, really don't care about stars okay. in general. Others can use them. That totally works. Now that you're saying this, I think you might've talked me away from the 0.25. Cause like, I'm like, why does it matter? Does it matter? No, not really. Well, if it works for you, I think yeah. it's all about like mm-hmm. what works for us. Right. I, of course. And thinking of, and thinking about books and then how we recommend them and, and Goodreads makes us rate them. Mm-hmm. But I actually like the story graph because they do allow for the 0.25, which was a oh. bonus for me. Okay, or, or maybe they allow for half star. I'll have to look. I think it's 0.25. I think they allow for half star. I haven't been on there lately. I can barely keep up. I just use Goodreads because if I don't quick put it in there. You'll forget. I, I might forget something that I've read, especially if it was a three star, I'm very, I'm likely to forget it. So this is, I don't know, that was fun. I just wanted to hear. And I've had people ask me about star ratings and, and you see a lot of posts on Instagram, as far as people saying, does anyone care to even see star ratings? Some people say, yes, I want to see. And then others are like, no. So I go back and forth. Sometimes I was always posting my star ratings on my Mm -hmm. good or my Instagram And now I've kind of backed off from it. Mm -hmm. You know, I use it too. Like, I'm just thinking like, why do I use quarter and half? Like if it's a debut author, I might be more generous. If it's maybe an author of color that I appreciated some perspectives on it. I don't know. And you know what else I'm just thinking of? Because also I haven't decided on what I'm going to give bathhouse, but do you hold your five stars? Like a lot of time I hold my five stars because Goodreads says five stars means it was amazing, which to me is like exceptional mm-hmm. ability, writing ability, or it, if it makes me cry, I told you it's getting a five star, but what about ones that aren't perfect? Mm-hmm. There might be some plotting or writing issues, but we're just super fun, fun to read, entertaining got through, you know, like just super enjoyable. Is that worth a five star? I'm not stingy with five stars. I'm really not. I think so. That's me. That's uh, me. And I think a lot of people are, I think a lot of people are stingy (laughs) with five stars. Not that I give every book I read five stars, but I, if I were to count, I mean, especially on Goodreads, I have a ton of five star books. I mean, it's a gut feeling. And this is so funny because this very much ties into our personalities. I'm more big picture. I'm more instinctual gut feeling. And you are much more of a researcher. You need definitions. And I analyze it. And you analyze it. Well, there was that, there was that gaping plot hole. I can't give it five stars. (laughs) Can I tell you that sometimes I don't even notice, like if there's like a plot hole, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. You know what? It worked for me, but I'm more (laughs) of a big picture type reader. So if there's something that's like sticking with me or sticking with other readers, like I might just be like, all right, I'll buy it. Like I just suspend my Mm -hmm. disbelief and I'm like, that's fine. No, that probably won't be a five-star book. Anyway. I want to, okay. I want to know what it was fun. You are the, that was fun. And hopefully that's helpful to you all. I am very curious to hear, do you like star ratings? Do we need star ratings or star ratings over? I did look at the story graph and you can give quarter and half star ratings on there, which I appreciate. Do they give an explanation for? Oh my gosh. No, any of <laughs> you make it up, Renee. We're making this well, up. Goodreads gives you, Goodreads gives you a, a guide. Right? I know, I know. So three star is what? It's okay. Three stars means I liked it, uh, right? Three stars means I liked it. Four yes. stars means I really liked it. And five mm-hmm. stars is it was amazing. I don't, I got to tell you, I don't care that much. I don't know. Did you like the, do you recommend it or not? Is it? A, so that's how well, I use it. 
Okay. And I would like to know, is mm-hmm. that all people out there anywhere you're reading reviews? Is that all you really need to know? Just, no. I guess me, I guess really that's all I care about. Mm-hmm. Does someone recommend it? And what do you have to say about it? Or do you not? Mm-hmm. I don't that's necessarily I need star ratings. So, yeah. okay. Well, um, should we get into our favorites? Yes. Do you want to sh- go first? I do want to go first and I'm going to already break the rules because I want to share an honorable mention. This was when I ran away by Alona Bannister. It is in my best of the year so far list, but I shared a lot about it back in episode one. So it's not going to be a pick today, but I wouldn't be surprised if it showed up on my favorites of 2021 list. So I wanted to mention that because I just couldn't leave her off altogether. I'll get this one out of the way first. You guys already know. I will start with seven days in June by (laughs) Tia Williams. I had to share it again. It literally is my top book that I've read so far this year. And I absolutely loved it. If you haven't read it yet, I highly recommend it. It is available now. This is the story of Eva and Shane. They are famous authors who shared an intense week together when they were in high school. Eva is now a single mother and she's made a name for herself writing fantasy erotica. Shane is a groundbreaking and enigmatic literary genius who is struggling to find the magic he once had now that he's sober. After what happened when they were teens, they were not expecting to cross paths again, but they do meet at a literary event and sparks fly. I thought this was powerful, complicated, messy, and unique. And it's a love story. And I want to emphasize, I didn't think it was cheesy. There was a lot of heft with it. It's about overcoming your trauma, facing your demons, and finding a way to choose joy despite your history. Eva and Shane are A-plus characters, and they had such an intense chemistry. I honestly had a hard time looking away, and I I tend to not, like we know, I don't love open-door novels, but I thought this was the perfect balance. I love the character of Eva's daughter, Audra. She was a wannabe therapist in training, and she was so funny, and she added a lot to the story. Again, this is a book that made me laugh for real. There are gritty parts, but like I said, there's also so much joy in this book. Obviously, I loved it, and... I read it before it came out way back in March, but I was really happy it got picked up as a Reese's book club pick. That means so many more people will read it. So that one is Seven Days in June by Tia Williams. And I just finished this two weeks ago. Yes. And you liked it, right? Per your recommendation. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. I really loved it. By the time this episode airs, I will have posted my review. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do a a quick review. When I finished it, the first thing that came to my mind was that was smart and sophisticated Mm. as as a romance. Absolutely. I don't mind open door at all. I do. I do agree with you. It was a good balance Mm -hmm. of that, but Mm. it was really, Ah, I just love it. It was just classy. It was a classy story with characters that felt real and yes, they were complicated. They did not have perfect lives by any means. They were really, they were flawed and kind of doing their best. And it was like adult level storytelling because Mm -hmm. there wasn't that angst of Mm-hmm. Like miscommunication. Yeah, you're right. You know, there was not that miscommunication. There might have been a, a little bit, but not the plot normal amounts on that. Right. Yes. Normal. Normal amounts. And, and I there love weren't, that. It wasn't like a trope. It didn't feel like it was like no. enemies to lovers, whatever. It just felt like a genuine real story. And they would kind of address it as adults. Yes. And acknowledge that 
there might've been miscommunication, right? Yes. That's it. it was really good. So okay. that was, a I'm so glad you liked it. You. I was worried you wouldn't, and we'd have to fight, but I'm glad we I can know. still, I know I was worried too. <laughs> did, did I bully you into liking it? <laughs> no, no, I would. I'm not afraid. I'm not yeah. afraid of you. I'll tell you. <laughs> I know. Oh, we, we don't want to go down that, that oh, I know. hole, that hole of, of have... the list we started yes. of books we don't agree on. We have such a fantastic list of books that we disagree on. I can't wait to share it with you someday. Oh, we are going to, yeah. It, it's going to be a knockdown drag out fight. I'm telling you. <laughs> it is because okay. we know what's on the list. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell me about your first book. Okay. My first book is, I think right now, my number one heading into the second half. Okay. And that is You Love Me oh, by Carolyn really? Katniss. Yes. Okay. Yes. Only because of the fact that I listened to the entire thing. I don't know how this would hold up in print, but mm. because, because I've only ever listened to the series on audio and Joe in my ears <laughs> is just I the, didn't get that. could you try again? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Siri, not now. <laughs> what is Siri doing? Interesting question. <laughs> oh, it's my watch. What do I do? <laughs> you just keep talking. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Did she knock you out of your train of thought? No, I've got it. Okay. Here's the deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> They're watching you. They're always listening. Uh, Nothing that was said sounded like the Siri. S-word. You right? said it again, girl. <laughs> but I didn't say it before. I didn't even get to the narrator, which might have sounded familiar. Santino Fontana. Mm-hmm. He is why this book, him, along with her fantastic ability to tell a story and create a character in Joe Goldberg. Yes. <laughs> who is the biggest sociopath, narcissistic personality that I could listen to Really, I could listen to a 900-page book of him him narrating his story. I don't care. You Love Me is the third book in the series. And in this one, Joe is done with cities. He is, (laughs) which was genius. He is moving to the Pacific Northwest on an island where there's nature and nothing that Joe would have ever been interested in. But he is trying to change his life from being a killer and, (laughs) and like I said, a sociopath. So he gets a job at the local library, which could not have been better. And the thing about Joe is he likes to read. And Mm -hmm. in the first book, you, he worked at a bookstore. So you get that pop culture of books that, and reading and authors that she can throw in. And he meets Mary Kay DeMarco, who is a librarian, and Joe has decided that he would love to date Mary Kay. And the problem is Mary Kay is occupied with her daughter. She has a life and she's not initially interested in Joe. So the story is how Joe decides to win her over and things do not go well for him. And it is so completely entertaining. What I loved was how Joe skewers certain aspects Mm -hmm. of pop culture, like social media. Oh my gosh, it was so funny. And that is also her writing, obviously. The takes that she has on how social media has infiltrated our lives and just little snippets of authors and culture. It was so good. Joe tries hard 
but there are many, many plot twists along the way. I would say that you don't have to read the other two, but I, I would. Yeah. Would at least I feel read. like you should to you really should. get the character of Joe Goldberg. Right. I feel like you Just, should. It's completely fun and entertaining. If you like quirky thrillers and you don't mind, you know, a sociopath in your ear because it, Joe is talking to us. So everything is you. Well, actually, he's talking to Mary. Like the story is right. Joe talking to Mary yeah. the whole time. Yeah. You okay. love me. Mary. You, you did this and you did this. And yeah, so it, it's a really clever device that she uses it works. to tell the story. It right. super works. I agree. I read this as well. Audio is the way to go. Audio is amazing. And that was You Love Me by Carolyn Kepnes. We had such a fun time with this one. I think we listened to it at the same time. We did. And it was right when we started the podcast. I will always have like a special place in my heart for that book. Mm-hmm. My next one is Finding Freedom by Aaron French. This is a chef memoir, which is one of my favorite genres, but I realized I have not read very many by female authors. The setup is Erin French went through hell and back in the pursuit of happiness. She went from a young girl from a farm working in her father's diner to a well-respected restaurateur and owner of the lost kitchen in Maine. She faced major struggles along the way. And I'm talking, this is very dark and it includes addiction, an abusive relationship, single parenthood, potential suicide. And not to mention, she is in an industry that's basically designed to set you up for failure. This is a total redemption story. I just thought it was so beautiful the way she was able to tell her story. I listened to the audiobook and she narrates it. And I thought she did such a good job. It really, really stuck out to me. I was not expecting it. It has a beautiful cover. So that's what initially drew mm-hmm. me in. But then I started listening to it and I was like, wow, this is incredible. It's really powerful. And if you're a foodie, she calls herself a cook instead of a chef by design. And that's the whole aesthetic of this restaurant is that it's very homey. It's very welcoming. It's very community oriented. I really want to visit, but it's incredibly hard to get a a reservation. So I don't know if that's in the cards anytime soon. I think fans of a beautiful, terrible thing or educated would really enjoy this book. And that was Finding Freedom by Aaron French. I did not expect that to be on your list. I know it got me. And I was, you know, I was sitting there thinking, what are the books that are going to stay with me? What are the ones that did something a little different? So for whatever reason, that one really spoke to me. Yeah. You are really inspiring me to pick up more memoir. That is just not something. And I have this one. You know, what's really funny. I pulled this off of my bookshelf yesterday. Um, I have some really pretty orange orange flowers. Sorry, this is a total tangent, but this is a, such a coincidence. And I wanted to pick out a couple books that I still wanted to read that mm-hmm. I wanted to get pictures with. Perfect. See? And, and that was one. And I even thought, oh my gosh, I need to read this. And now yeah, you, you bring do. It up, so it'll go I fast. Will. You'll like it for sure. Okay. That is a good reminder to pick up a memoir yes. here and there. Mm-hmm. I wanted okay. to give a nonfiction pick too. So that was my nonfiction for this list. I did too. I, I actually realized that I don't, I don't have one. I'm kind of disappointed by that. So I need to pick up my nonfiction reading too. Yeah, same. For sure. Okay. My next book is The Push by Ashley Audrain. Is this the one you thought I'd have on my list? No, I thought you would have You Love Me. Oh, no. Mm-mm. Okay. That's what I thought. 
I didn't think you would have this one. I felt like maybe you, this might not have been a five star for you. It was. Oh, it was a five Uh star for you? I love this book. All right. Well, this is a tense page turning psychological drama about the making and breaking of a family and a woman whose experience of motherhood is nothing at all what she hoped for and everything she feared. That's kind of the blurb. Blythe is the mother and she has dreams for her baby um, when they're pregnant and they have the baby right away. Motherhood is not what she thought Mm -hmm. to me. She clearly had postpartum depression, Mm -hmm. but in the book, she was not diagnosed with that. Nothing goes as planned little by little time goes on and Violet is not quite the child she expected to have. The story becomes a lot about is Violet really showing these symptoms of psychopathic type symptoms or is Blythe not reporting things correctly to Mm -hmm. everyone? Her husband is not really believing her. His mother is not believing her. And it is a very much a, is she a reliable narrator or what's going on? And ooh, this one, I was so addicted to staying in the story that I had it in print, but I ended up buying the audio because I, I needed to be listening no matter what I was doing. Yep. So I started it on a Saturday morning and I finished it that night at one in the morning. Oh, wow. All day. Uh, and that was taking, yeah, a little bit of a, I remember I took a little bit of a break to um, play cards. <laughs> I don't remember who was over, but we were playing cards. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I am going to finish that book. And it is getting later, but I don't care if I'm up and you're two like, in the right, morning. Let's wrap this up, guys. Get out of my house. <laughs> I got to finish I, the yeah, push. I got to finish this book. It was very bingeable. I read a lot of reviews that kind of dinged the ending, but I thought it was perfection. I loved that ending. You did? I loved the ending. It was so good. Yes. It was so good. Pick it up. It's a thriller. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it may have been like categorized as psychological thriller, but to me, it was very like thriller, thriller without you know, a ton of action, just that mental aspect of who is telling the truth and what is really going on that kept you turning the pages. And that was The Push by Ashley Audrain that came out January 5th. Yeah, I'm glad you picked that one because it's not on my list. It could very well be on my list. I will make note that I think my baby was about maybe seven months old when I finished it. So I was very nervous, like what was going to happen with reference to the baby and that sort of thing. But this one didn't bother me. So for what it's worth, I was a young, or I guess I'm still a young mother, but I was worried (laughs) that the story would be like too much for me. And definitely it's dark, but I got through it and I really enjoyed it. I think I read it in a day as well or two days. Yeah. I remember us talking about that where you said, I don't know if I want to read this. And then yeah, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to, but I kept seeing people post about it and I'm glad I did. Do you think that pregnant women would... (laughs) should steer, steer clear of this or (laughs) it might be tough. I I don't know. I think they should steer clear of my, my bonus recommendation when I ran away by Alona Bannister. Cause I think that one was tougher to read because it was so both books I think are a great pairing. They describe motherhood so well, it can be a very isolating time. And I just think both authors did an amazing job of like encapsulating that. I would say when I ran away is one that I would not recommend to pregnant women because it's too real. Mm -hmm. The push I think would be okay. In my opinion, in my opinion, I breed dark. So, you know, keep that in mind. Okay. Well, what do you got? 
My next pick is The Fortunate Ones by Ed Tarkington. Oh, Do you, you know this are really surprised. Yes, and I'm so surprised. Good. I like surprising you. I could not figure out what you were going to bring, but these are surprising. Yes. So this one opens up with the end. You have a conservative Republican senator that's just ended his life and a soldier hears this on the news and starts to cry. So that's how the book opens. And okay. the story flashes back to the soldier's school days. He went to an elite boys school in Nashville. His name is Charlie Boykin and he is from the wrong side of the tracks. He manages to get into the school on scholarship and is quickly drawn into an intense friendship with Archer Craig. He is a charismatic upperclassman who has been assigned essentially to show him the ropes. Charlie quickly gets enmeshed in the lives of his classmates. And then there's a scandal that occurs and it threatens to upend everything. And the, the scandal surprised me. I did not see that coming. I really, oh. I was like, oh, this is a good one. She or he got me, the author. So the novel then fast forwards to 10 years later, where we pick up with the characters to see how their lives turned out. I love that sort of thing where we get to see the span of a character's life. And mm -hmm, I thought this was really a fun take on it. It was surprisingly emotional. I loved Charlie and I really could relate to his desire to go along with the crowd to fit in. He did not come from money and all of the people that he was hanging out with really, really did come from money. The pressures that they face. And I really grew to care about the character of Charlie. This went deeper than a typical rich people behaving badly story, which I appreciated. Although I do mm -hmm. love those. It was deeper than that. There was commentary on class, wealth, privilege, toxic masculinity, politics, and corruption. Wow. So it went pretty deep. I would have loved to see a little bit more depth from some of the female characters, but they were not the focus in this one. It was about the, the boys. And all told, I really loved this and thought it was a lush and layered coming of age story. Obviously, wow. highly recommend it. You sold me. Good. Thank you. This is The Fortunate Ones by Ed Tarkington. And you read this? Was it on I audio? List, I did both. So I did oh, half and half. Okay. The audio so, was good. It was unremarkable, which isn't a bad thing. Not, you know how sometimes for me, if I don't think about the audio, that's a good thing. If it okay. stands out to me, it could be a bad reason or otherwise it could stand out because it was amazing. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I get it. I mean. Because um, it means the narrator wasn't distracting. It was just, okay, okay boom, I'm in the story. Great. Well, that's two you've added to my immediate <laughs> TBRs. <laughs> yes. Okay. My third one is a favorite trusted author who I love so much. And it is The Unwilling by John Hart. Oh, if yes. If you remember, I brought mm -hmm. The Last Child on a few episodes ago. I think our first episode. This came out in February and I combined audio and print with this one, but I ended up sticking strictly with the audio. And this is crime fiction. So it is a little bit gritty. It is a little bit suspenseful, but definite mystery to all of it. So it's a combination of that. This is set in the South at the height of the Vietnam War. It is the story of a shattered family and a killer who's as twisted as any I've read in a long time. That's from my own review. He <laughs> um, was very, very well done as far as the evil bad guy. The French's is the family and they have twins, Jason and Robert and younger brother, Gibby. Robert is killed in Vietnam and the family really shatters. They spend years trying to pick up the pieces. Jason ends up enlisting and then comes back completely changed. Gibby, there's quite an age difference between the twins and Gibby is the narrator quite a lot. And he struggles with his overprotective mother 
and his cop father when one day Jason, who's been in prison following his return from Vietnam, re-enters his life. And from then, chaos, drama, betrayal, murder, everything happens. Quick plot description, Jason and Gibby end up connecting and they go on kind of a day-long beach road trip, kind of, and lots of drinking on the part of the older people, not Gibby. But then they encounter a prison transfer bus that is broken down and a woman ends up getting murdered because Jason is there and things happen. He gets accused. Then he goes on the run and it is, that's all in the beginning. Okay. I was going to say, are you telling me? No, I'm not not telling you the whole plot. This is very early on and it's twisty and it's so good. And I've said this before about John Hart. He is a literary mystery writer because his writing is so fantastic. Uh, okay, fine. I'll read a John again. Hart already. Could you read John Hart. <laughs> Thank you. I highly recommend this one, especially if you like books set in the 60s and 70s. Oh, that's an interesting take. Uh, yeah, that was a fun change up, change mm-hmm. from, you know, just all the modern day mysteries I had been reading. This was The Unwilling by John Hart. Good. I'm so glad that worked for you because I know that mm-hmm. is your, like when he has a new release that came out this year. <sighs> yeah. In February. Okay. February so 2nd. yeah. So that's like when you, your favorite author has a new release, you're like, okay, yes. please let it be good. Please let me like it. Right. Because I think it had been a couple years and the one before this, I did not like. Ooh. Okay. So, good to know. Yeah. Well, speaking of authors that we love and yeah. a book that really worked for me, it's Concrete Rose by Angie oh, Thomas. Yes. I love Concrete Rose. Concrete Rose is a prequel to The Hate You Give. And I know Renee shared The Hate You Give on our audiobook episode, but I wanted to give a shout out to this one because it focuses on Star Carter's father, Maverick. We are back in Garden Heights and Maverick is a senior in high school. Maverick's father is incarcerated and his mother is working two jobs to keep the family afloat. Mav's father has left him with really big shoes to fill, but when a one-night stand turns him into a father, he makes the tough decision to try and walk away from the gang that he is a part of. But as with many things in life, this is easier said than done. I could get into more, but honestly, it just, I got sucked into this story pretty much from the get-go. Angie Thomas is so talented at world building and in creating characters. Garden Heights is as real. It could be a town that I've been to. It's as real as could be. She did a great job with getting the reader to understand how people can get caught up in gang culture and how hard it is to find Mm -hmm. a way out. I also loved a strong black male protagonist. I don't know if I've read very many books with black young man as the protagonist. Watching him find a way as a father was so relatable. It was so cute. He didn't know how to do the diapers and all of those types of things. So like it was very, it felt very real. And again, this is a theme with me, but I thought it had a great balance of depth and levity. It made me think and it made me feel. And I'm so glad this book and characters like Maverick exist. And this is Concrete Rose by Angie Thomas. I do want to mention, I was going to wait till the end, but now that you brought that up, I will say The Hate You Give is my honorable mention. Oh, I, Because I just talked about it recently on the audiobook episode. I didn't want to bring that as one of my choices, mm-hmm. but it would have been one of my choices had yes. I not already just talked about it. So Both I are fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
very, very good. So that is, and I'm going to be listening to that. I just need to get to it. Oh, yes. Concrete Rose. Concrete Rose. Dion Graham is the narrator of Concrete Rose and he is so good. So good. Yes. So definitely listen to it. I will. I have it. I I just, you know how it goes. Life. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. My next pick is Finley Donovan is killing it. Oh yeah. Okay. And that came out February 2nd by L Casimano. And I listened to this one. It was so good on audio. And Finley is a stressed out single mom, recently divorced. She has two kids. She's a struggling novelist. One day she goes to Panera to meet her agent because she has a deadline looming and they are discussing the plot of her new suspense novel, which is about a a contract killer and someone overhears them. I mean, you could totally. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Someone overhears them and she's mistaken. She herself is mistaken for a contract killer. And she inadvertently ends up accepting an offer (laughs) to dispose of a problem husband in order to make ends meet. Oh my God. It is so funny and clever. She soon discovers that crime in real life is more difficult than its fictional counterpart. And I mean, to say she gets herself in a tangled mess is is really understating it. So this was fast paced, witty, very authentic. She has a nanny that was one of the best characters too, as a side character. I love love a good side character. Oh my gosh. I love a good good. side character. And on audio, I would just really, really recommend this on audio because the narrator, Angela Dahl did so good with the voices that I thought they were both real people, Finley and her nanny. What I really loved was the sheer entertainment value of this. And there's definitely a mystery too. It was funny. There was murder. There was a little romance. There was a lot of mystery and wonderful supporting characters. Vero. Vero, that is the nanny's name. Um, The writing was fresh, fast-paced, and clever. And book two comes out next February. Oh, good to know. There's a second. Okay. Yes. So that was Finley Donovan is Killing It by L. Casamano. Perfect. Added to... It's actually unscribed, so I'm going to listen to it there. Okay. I'd be really surprised if you didn't like this. I, it sounds like one I would like for sure. Okay. All okay. right. What do you have next? My last pick is The Kindest Lie by Nancy Johnson. This is about Ruth. She is a successful Black engineer living with her husband in Chicago's Bronzeville neighborhood. President Obama has just been elected and hope is in the air. When her husband wants to start a family, Ruth is forced to reckon with her past. She left her Indiana hometown years ago to go to Yale, but not before she gave birth in secret at 17 years old. And before she can move forward, she feels drawn home. She feels like she needs to make peace with her past. This proves to be much easier said than done. This story is layered and heartfelt and very messy, but not as heavy as you might expect. It's character driven. I do want to mention there's this second character named Midnight, who is a young white boy. He is desperate for connection. And it was so interesting to figure out, like, why is he a character? Like, how is this going to come together with with what's going on? And it does. These characters came alive 
to the point where I was telling my husband all about them as though they were my friends. Like, oh, I got to tell you about what Midnight ran into. You know, it was silly. The author takes on race and class and does so in a way that illustrates how privilege often doesn't have anything to do with money. So it's about family, found family, motherhood, and reckoning with the choices that are too late to change. I really, really love this debut and I hope listeners pick it up. And so I think if you enjoy Catherine Adele West's Saving Ruby King or An American Marriage by T.R.A. Jones, this one could be for you. This is The Kindest Lie by Nancy Johnson. Well, I love you, hate you, because now- Why? Because I, now I have to add all of those to- (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm sorry. These are the rules. We are bound to grow your TBR, man. Oh, man. (laughs) I saw many reviews popping around Instagram, and they seemed kind of mixed. So I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's why I didn't pick that up, but now you really got me thinking. I will say I connected with this one because of the setting. Chicago, although it's only in Chicago for a little bit, you know, I mean, that's like, oh, okay, it's in Chicago. Great. Let me read it. So I did connect on that aspect. I don't know if you- it's quiet. It's a quiet story. It's not a thriller. It's not fast paced. Mm-hmm. I could see you getting bored. Well, if I am in a thriller mood, which I have been lately, then I mm-hmm. will not pick Perfect. that up. There so, you go. Sometimes I get in, you know, as you know, we get in different moods. Mm-hmm. So I'll find I haven't read a away. thriller in a while. So yeah. And I oh, noticed like all, well, yeah, we can reflect in a minute. Okay. Tell me about your all last right. pick. My last one is, I guess, kind of backlist. Uh, it came out in November of 2020, and it is White Ivy. Oh, I love this by book. Susie Yang. Oh, you've already yes. read it? Yes. Oh, I okay. love White Ivy. I, and this was a surprise for me. And I remember when it came out, I think it was a read with Jenna Pick. I don't know why I didn't pick it up then. I had, anyway, I had a copy. It was one of the books that have been on my Kindle for a while, but I ended up pulling up the audio, which is happens so much. And whoa, Emily Wu Zeller is the narrator and mm. it was fantastic on audio. This is a story about Ivy who came to the U.S. when she was five. Her parents sent her from China to live with her grandmother in the assumption that they would be following, but then it was quite a while until they did. We follow her. She is the narrator as she tries to fit in with a family she doesn't feel a part of, friends who treat her as an outcast, and an American culture that is not hers, but she's fully expected to acclimate to. Mm -hmm. I felt for her. Her parents end up coming over and the relationship she had with her parents was a little sad quite a bit of the time. And it really opened my eyes to a lot of what immigrants must experience when they are expected to, to just live here and be fully a part of our culture. Right. And they're not, and they struggle. And Ivy was just a perfect example of that. Now she becomes very caught between the two cultures mm-hmm. and kind of spirals, but then kind of seems to pick herself up, but then kind of spirals. I was just in on the whole thing. And then came the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I loved the ending. I oh, loved it. I did not. I didn't see I it coming. I did not see that coming. And I, re- I really loved it. It was, it was really good. I did read some reviews where people said Ivy was 
not likable and they didn't connect with her. I did not feel that at all. Now she's very flawed and she does, <laughs> right. She does. Yes. Some she's very flawed, but that, I- that are not nice. And she says things and it, but the whole time I felt like I felt empathy for her. Totally. Yeah. It was a very, in, the author did such a good job with giving me or giving us a flawed character that you care about, but still get, I loved it because she was not the perfect model Asian woman, right? Right. She did some things that were like, caught me off guard for sure, but I kind of, I was rooting for her. Yes. Yeah. Me too. So I really, really like this. And that was White Ivy by Susie Yang. Good. I'm glad you talked about this one. I really enjoyed that book. So that is it. Those are our favorite books of the year so far. I think it's so interesting, Renee. Yours are all mystery thrillers, sort of. Like they all have Except like a for thrilling... Finley. I know. But Fin Finley was a mystery. Well, that was no? a mystery. Yeah, you're right. That was a mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had a lot of mystery thrillers, mm-hmm. and mine was very heavy in the literary fiction, which doesn't surprise me. Although, you know what? I will say I had a, a romance in there. I had a nonfiction and I had YA. So very fun yeah, you, to put this you list had together. A variety. And, but I think that's a little, I guess our picks are indicative of completely of our like preferred genres. Completely. Um, yes. But you that never know. Though. I'll bust out. I might bust out with a memoir might make my top 10 when we do our top 10 list. Who knows? We never know. And we'll do that. I expect that we'll do more of this at the end of the year. If you share your mid-year books that were your favorite so far, definitely tag us in your post. Tell us what books you've been loving. But for now, um, we're going to share our shelf edition. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. My shelf edition is All Her Little Secrets by Wanda Morris. And this sounds like something I'll really love. It's about an Ivy League educated black female lawyer that has everything she's always wanted. She has a well-paying job, friends she loves, and a, quote, for fun relationship with her white boss. When she goes to his house one day and finds him dead with a gunshot wound to his head, she decides not to say anything because she has secrets to hide and she doesn't want to bring unwanted attention to herself. A comp for this one was The Firm by John Grisham, which I loved years and years and years ago. I have high hopes. This is All Her Little Secrets by Wanda Morris, and it comes out this November. That's a red cover, right? It is a red cover, and it's a close-up on a woman's uh, face. Yes, I've added that to my TBR already. We're on the same wavelength. Yes, and that sounds so good. I think so, too. What is your shelf edition? My shelf edition is City on Fire by Don Winslow. Okay. Com- comes out. It took out. me a minute. Yeah. That, have you, well, have you heard of it? No. Is okay. it, is it new? This is him? his new, this is going to be his new, I don't know if it's going to be a trilogy. It's part of a new series of some sort, Ooh. crime series that he's doing. And it comes out September 21st. This is the first novel in an epic crime saga. about the Irish and Italian crime syndicates in America during the 1980s and 1990s. That that. sounds really good. That that sounds so good. I love that setting. I love like the mafia type that he's talking about. So the setting is Providence, Rhode Island, 1986. 29-year-old Danny Ryan is a hardworking longshoreman, a husband, a friend, and occasionally muscle for the Irish crime syndicate that oversees much of the city. He yearns for something more and dreams of starting fresh. 
someplace far away. I love how Don Winslow writes these characters that they get caught up in stuff that they should not be in. Mm -hmm. And all they want to do is get away, but then they can't get away. He does that so well. But when a modern day Helen of Troy triggers a war between rival mob factions, Danny is embroiled in a conflict he can't escape. So it is up to him to step in the breach to protect his family, his friends, and the only home he's ever known. This is, I guess, Don Winslow's contemporary take on the Iliad. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. I didn't didn't read. No, I did in high school, I think. Okay. Well, I mean... It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. It's Don Winslow. So Mm -hmm. I read and loved his cartel trilogy. So yes, I think this sounds promising for sure for this. When does it come out? September 21st. And that was City on Fire by Don Winslow. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen to your podcast and by leaving a review on iTunes. It helps us get our podcast out to new listeners and grows our audience. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and Renee at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember... Everything's better with books. All right, bye. (laughs) (laughs) See you later. See ya. Yeah, but I gotta go eat. I'm hungry. I gotta go. Okay, I haven't ate lunch either. It's three (sighs) o'clock. We were. That was me. No, no, no. Y'all need to button up, Megan, Sean. Get out of my DM. I don't know how to do this. (laughs) They're talking about LeBron and Brooklyn and KD, and like I'm like.